Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Believer's Church, how we doing this morning? You're looking good? Looking nice and happy? I got an applause already, man. That's so generous. That's nice. You haven't even heard me yet. That's awesome. Um, Hey, if you're new here, my name's Joe. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and today I'm really excited because we're continuing in this series called Before and After. And as a matter of fact, I was going to ask you if you could just do me a quick favor before we get started. Can you just give me like one second? Okay, let's see. What first? Thirsty. Yeah, super thirsty. Water is good. Let's see, what else? Get my notes, notes. Notes rhymes with throats, throat. My throat is dry, thirsty. Ah, it's water, it's lukewarm. Ha, Luke, Luke, I am your father. No, no! If I had a lightsaber, be a lot of changes in this town. Oh, look, there's Bill, and he's getting up during my message. Really? Really, Bill? Hope he trips in front of everybody. Oh, wait, he was just letting someone in the aisle. Ah, still hope he trips. Okay, it's game time. What's my opening scripture? I know it's in the King James Version. King James, he's the best. The Cavs are going to take it all this year, barring injuries or freak accidents. Speaking of accidents, did I pee backstage? I drank a lot of water. You think they'd notice if I went real quick? Yeah, probably. This is a really dumb conversation. Good thing no one can hear it. All right, the time has come. You can do this, Joe. I believe in you. I mean, I believe in me? Or I know what I mean. Final checklist. Mic's on, zipper's up, and three, two, one. And the crowd goes wild. <sighs> Joe is the greatest of all time. Oh, stop it, please. Please, you shouldn't have. Wow, wow. I- I'm sure you haven't seen many messages start that way, and, uh, and you're welcome for that. Um, I just wanted to wake you up this morning if you weren't already. Hey, I did that for a reason. This is actually the title of my message, Before and After, Changing Your Mind. And uh, I don't know about you, but even though that might have been a little bit of an embellishment, that wasn't too far off from the madness that goes on in the mind of Joe Caminetti every second of every day. And I think, I think if we're being honest, we're probably all in the same boat. I mean, none of us are too far off from what, is, what was uh, seen just a second ago. And uh, minds are a funny thing. As a matter of fact, they have everything to do with taking us from before to after. I mean, everything to do with them. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And speaking of before... You know, before and I have a, a strained relationship. I don't, I don't really like before. Like every New Year's, I seem to take like these before pictures. Anybody ever taken a before picture kind of for like a weight loss plan? Or maybe it's just a mental snapshot of where you are now, and you're going to compare that with where you'd like to be. And sometimes I'll be kind of surfing on the TV, and I'll see these infomercials for these weight loss 
uh, programs, and there's always like this guy that is the perfect specimen of a man, and he's just chiseled from pure granite, and he gets on, and he gives his testimonial, and he's like, before this patented weight loss solution, I had 10% body fat, and now I have 3.8% body fat. I used to have a four-pack, and now I have an eight-pack. And then he's like, you know, I haven't eaten a carbohydrate since 2003. And you're like, whatever, dude. Like, I'd be happy with your before picture. Like, you were, you were doing okay before. I don't even know what you're going for now. And uh, if you're like me, it can kind of get discouraging, right? Because here's the challenge for all of us. doesn't matter where you're coming from. There is a gravitational pull back to before. Before comes calling our name. I mean, back to the refrigerator, back to the toxic relationship, back to the addictive behavior, back to before. And I think most of us could say, like, here towards the end of January, I've been from before to after and back again. Like, there's just something about this time of the year where it's just this painful reminder that I am not gaining any traction here. And of course, all of us have areas of our life where we've gone from before to after. But today, I'm sure there's an area that is front and center in your mind, and you're like, man, I need to take care of this. I don't want to be the same person this year that I was last year, and the mind has everything to do with that, because here's the bottom line. The way that we get from before to after is by change, right, and you will never change anything until you change your mind. Do you hear that? You'll never change anything until you change your mind. You'll never change any destructive behavior or bad relationship or any way of thinking until you change your mind. Your mind matters, and it makes the difference. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible has a lot to say about this, and one of the things that I love that it says is that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? And so it, it tells us very clearly that our mind actually shapes our actions, which shapes our life. And so today, I just wanted to take the next couple of minutes to help us to get from before to after in some practical ways and I think we could call it an after party. Is that cool? Like, we want to get from before to the after party. And here's the after party. It's this joy and this contentment and this peace we have when we know that we've included God in our lives and allowed him to do a work and change us from the inside out. That's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I started to study this one thing that really was very fascinating to me. Uh, I'm sure most of us are kind of familiar with landmines and minefields, right? But the more that I studied these, these were really fascinating because here's the deal. They are this remnant of a battle or a war that was fought in many cases decades ago, in some cases up to half a century ago, like in World War I or World War II. But today, did you know that around the world each year there are 4,000 injuries or deaths caused by landmines and minefields every year? And so it's this remnant of a war and a battle that's already been won, but it's still inflicting harm on the nations that have them pretty crazy. I got to thinking, you know, most of us will probably never experience a real minefield, but I think all of us are challenged with, with some minefields every day of our life. If you weren't aware of it, those that have accepted Christ in this room, here's what you came out of. You used to think like the world thought, like our culture around us thought, and you know what the Bible says? It says that the enemy Satan, he's the god of this, this world. He's the ruler of this world. So we thought his way. He dominated our thinking and our minds. And here's, here's what a minefield actually is created to do. Listen to this. Number one, it creates a defensive tactical barrier, channeling attacking forces into predetermined fire zones, slowing and invading forces' progress to allow reinforcements to arrive. And here's the second one. It denies use of valuable terrain 
resources, or facilities. And I got to thinking, man, the enemy, Satan, would love nothing more long after we've made the decision to follow Jesus, long after that battle has already been fought and won, he would love nothing more than to create these barriers between us and God. He'd love nothing more than to take away the ground that freely belongs to us in our mind. And it all starts by these problems and these sins from our past that are embedded in the soil of our heart and our mind. And we have to learn to identify them and take them out. And maybe you're, you're kind of new to this whole idea of changing your mind and you're like, man, I don't know if I want to give the devil that much credit. I don't think that I think his thoughts all the time. And you might be right. I don't think it's all the time. But I can tell you this. Most of us in every given day have some thoughts that invade our mind that are not from us. and They're not from God. They're from the enemy. Ephesians 6.12 actually says this. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. You know, Paul talked about this process of renewing our minds. And here's what it means. It means we need to rethink the way that we think. Because remember, we'll never change anything until we change our minds. Now, what's the big deal about landmines? I started to study a little bit more into this, and this is fascinating. Today, in countries like Cambodia and Afghanistan, did you know that up to 35% of their countries are uninhabitable, and it's all because of minefields? Can you believe that? So they're not able to inhabit 35% of the country that, that belongs to them free and clear because of minefields from a war or a conflict that happened decades and up to half a century ago in some cases. This is crazy. So here's what happens. They can't farm that land, so they're not as fruitful. They can't expand their territory. They can't build their nation the way that they should. They can't enjoy the nation that belongs to them free and clear. Now, some of you, I think, know that uh, my wife and I, we've, we've had kids for a little while now, and Joey is six and Riley's four. One of the realities about being a parent is that you are constantly trying to manage the inflow of toys. Because we've got some generous grandparents and aunts and uncles, and there's birthdays, and there's Christmas, and there's Valentine's Day, and there's a holiday every month nowadays. And it's like, you have to manage these toys, or you're going to get overrun by them. And uh, so every now and then we try to thin them out, and we try to make sure that they don't dominate our house. But if we're not careful, here's what can happen. Uh, sometimes I'm like walking through my house that I paid a great price for. Like I'm reminded of that every month when I write that mortgage check, remember? And like I, that, that house belongs to me and it's there for my comfort and it's there so I can enjoy the relationships with my family, with my wife and my kids. And you're not a parent unless you've almost cussed from stepping on a poly pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what they make those things out of, but I would rather have my toenails gouged out one at a time than step on a ninja turtle. Like, they're reinforced with titanium or something. It's painful. And I just got to thinking, like, there are moments in my life where literally I'm supposed to have this nice family room and living room and kitchen space where I can just relax and chill and enjoy my family. And I'm, like, over in the corner not enjoying anything because there's this minefield of toys everywhere that I go. And God just started showing me this picture of what can happen in a lot of our lives. You know, I think that God makes it very clear that it's for freedom that he set us free. And a lot of us are still living in bondage to our past because we haven't taken care of these minefields that are all around us. A lot of us aren't fruitful the way we should be because there's still all of these places that are uninhabited in our mind and we're not able to go where God wants us to go because we're limited by these landmines in our life. And so 
I wanted to just show you what God's plan is for us because he makes it really clear. We know the problem, but this is Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, and this is God talking to his people, the children of Israel, when they're in bondage. They know a little something about mind fields. Exodus 3, 7 through 8, God said, I know all about their pain. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that knows about your pain and he cares about it? So here's the next thing he says. Now I have come down to help them, pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, get them out of that country and bring them, listen to this, to a good land with wide open spaces. Do you know that God wants you to live a life that's wide open? God doesn't want you to be limited by your past. He wants you to have a wide open future. The Bible calls it a hope and a future. And that all starts with seeing things the right way and changing your mind. You know, I've heard it said that it took Israel one day to get out of Egypt, but it took them 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And what was the problem? Deep inside of them, it was a mind issue. They didn't see their life and their God the way that they needed to. And guess what? God was merciful to them, but they just wandered in the desert for 40 years until one generation died off and the next generation could change their mind. And then God led them into his promises. I don't think any of us want to be wandering in the desert for 40 years. I think we want to get where God wants us to go. Are you with me? So here's what we're going to do just for the next couple of minutes. I want to take you through three ways that you can handle a minefield. And we're going to mirror these with three real ways that you can handle a minefield in real life. And so the first one, you ready for this? Stay away. I know that's, that's brilliant, right? So deep. Stay away. But here's what I've discovered. Um, it's a lot easier to handle minefields if I don't have to handle them at all. Like if I can see them for what they are and I can stay clear of them, then all of a sudden it starts to make a lot more sense in my life. And I was thinking about one of my favorite games in the 1990s. I was a child of the 1990s and PCs were pretty big when I was, you know, about seven or eight years old. There was this game called Minesweeper. Anybody a fan of Minesweeper? Any of you guys fully confident that you could just dominate Minesweeper right now? Just muscle memory. You remember my dad was pretty good at Minesweeper. I, I had a love-hate relationship with Minesweeper because at the age of six or seven, I just really wasn't concerned with learning how to play it. You know what I'm saying? So here's how I handled Minesweeper. I kind of did like the Russian roulette. I'd just close my eyes and I'd click on a square and I'd hope to God that it wasn't a mine. And then I'd move on to the next one. And usually it would take all of like 10 seconds and I'd blow up the whole game and it was over. You know, I think some of us approach our relationship with God and dealing with the minefields and these issues in our life that same way. It's kind of like a mystery to us how we can get rid of these landmines in our life. But God has a plan for us. There's, there's tried and true methods that are all in the scripture that he wants to help us with. And I always like to start with this scripture. It's Romans 8, 5. Listen to this. So those who live according to the flesh, they have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Now, the key word to me here is set. And I'm convinced that there's probably a device in each of your family rooms, most of you represented in this room, all across the world, really, that has caused minor wars in your family. And uh, it, it's usually right below your TV. It's called a DVR. Anybody have a DVR? Minor wars have been fought over this. And I just want to fill some of the young people in. I don't know if you knew this, but before DVRs, here's, here's the situation. Like, you could not rewind and fast-forward television. It just wasn't available to you. So this was the archaic world that we lived in in the Stone Age. We actually had to be present when a TV show aired. 
live. Like, and then if a commercial came on, you had two minutes, baby, to go to the bathroom and then get a snack and be back there. And nobody was going to catch you up because they needed to hear the next part. So like, it was a dark, dark time in our world. I wanted you to know that. So DVR is a blessing. It's great, but it does cause some conflicts. As a matter of fact, my, uh, my dad, he's hilarious with his DVR. He, he now lives with just three girls in his house, okay? So it's him, my mom, and my two sisters. And I, I'm sure you would probably guess that they don't like watching the same things, okay? So my, my dad has about three categories that any of his viewing falls into. One is like kill people, you know, like a righteous kill, kind of like war movie. Another one is sci-fi, anything involving sci-fi. And the third is sporting events. And so if you ever have to record a sporting event for my dad, Pastor Joe, uh, there, there's some very specific instructions. One is you got to make sure, obviously, you record the event that, as it's happening. But then this is something that some of you guys might do. You also have to record not a half an hour ahead, but, but an hour after the event in case it goes into overtime because, God forbid, it goes into overtime and it cuts out right in the middle of the most important moment. And so it's hilarious to see him explaining this to, like, my mom who could care less about any sporting event that's ever aired on TV. And uh, so, but here's the funny thing. He has this other rule that he doesn't like the list to get above 70% capacity. That starts to make him sweat a little bit because he needs to know that there is space available where if he wants to program something and he wants to watch it, he can do it on demand. And so over Christmas, uh, my mom had this show that she wanted to watch. It was like a Hallmark Christmas movie. And uh, I think we can all agree that Pastor Joe, that's not his game. You know, that's not his style. And so he, he was going to look through his list, and it was getting dangerously close to 70%. I think it was crawling over that, and he had to make a tough call. He had to delete that Hallmark Christmas movie. He did the right thing, you know, and uh, he thought she watched it already, to, to his credit, but she came home, and they had a little, you know, a little disagreement, and they, they sorted things out, and uh, it just cracks me up, because here's the reality. Like, all of us in the DVR of our mind have a choice on what we're going to set it to. And some of us are frustrated with what we're doing and what we're seeing in our mind, but we have to go back to the source and say, have I set this to be in tune with the spirit or in tune with my flesh? Because there's only so much space on the DVR of our mind. And I was just thinking about this. Have you ever seen those boxes that pop up? This is like one of the most tough decisions you'll ever make. A box will pop up. You're watching live TV and it says, please choose which of these two programs you're going to cancel, which one you're going to delete. And so you might as well be asking them to pull a plug on a loved one. That's a tough decision right there, right? I mean, I, that's just not an easy decision. And, like, I think that's kind of the decision all of us are confronted with in our relationship with God. And for the sake of my illustration, I think what God is saying is, hey, give control to your father because he knows what's best to be programmed on the DVR of your mind. And when you set your mind on what the Spirit wants, then you're going to do what the Spirit wants. If you're frustrated with what you're landing on and what your behavior looks like, go right back to what you're setting your mind on. Now, some of us, we're kind of like just at a point where we're just worn out. It almost seems like for years we have struggled with some of these habitual sins and some of these thoughts and mindsets that we can't seem to get rid of. I just want to encourage you. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about the game Minesweeper. Once you identify where a mine is, they had this cool little tool where you'd right-click on a square where you knew it was, and you'd flag it, right? There was this red flag. I think what God wants us to do is he wants us to flag our mistakes. He wants us to mark our mistakes and remember and learn from it. You know, we're saved in seconds, but we learn over a lifetime. 
And I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for the journey that God is taking us on. Nobody learns overnight. God wants us to make improvement and to keep taking a step forward so we don't go back to before. And it all starts with staying away. So here's the second one. You ready? It's stay on the path. Stay on the path. So this is fascinating, but when you go to these countries that today still have these active minefields, you have to be really careful about straying off of the traveled path. Because the minute you start kind of getting off course from where all of the people and the traffic flow goes, you run the risk of triggering a landmine and it will take you out. And I was just thinking about paths in the Bible because this is just over and over again a theme. I mean, the Bible calls itself a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, right? The Bible actually says if we acknowledge God, then he'll make our path straight. So if we don't want to wander in the wilderness of our mistakes and of our messed up mind, then we have to ask God, acknowledge him in our life, and he'll make our path straight. The Bible also says that broad is the road or the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to salvation, right? And so a path plays a critical role in us growing in God. You know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in a given minute, the next minute here, you're going to think about 50 thoughts. I'm sure I don't want to know what most of those are, but you're going to think about 50 of them. And then, then by the end of the day, on average, you're going to think about 50 to 70,000 thoughts. Can you believe that? You know, I heard this quote from a pastor named Kevin Gerald. He said, thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. I- I'm just wondering what kind of trains of thought we get on every day of our life, and we don't even think through where we're going. Like, you would never get on a train that goes to Chicago, says we're going to Chicago, and then be disappointed that you ended up in Chicago, right? No, it's trains take you somewhere. So what are the trains of thought that you're jumping on every second of every day? Because they're going to land you somewhere. You know, my brother and I were about 12 or 13 years old. We got to go on this trip of a lifetime with my dad. He got to go preach at my Uncle Tony and Aunt Patsy's Bible school in Rome, Italy. And we got to tag along And uh, I wish I was a little older to fully appreciate some of the food and the sights that we took in. But it was amazing. And I still remember it to this day. So we're in this amazing place. We don't speak a lick of Italian. I think the extent of our mastery of the Italian language was pasta. We could say that really well. And we ate a lot of pasta. And, uh, but we went to downtown Rome this one day. We were going to see some of the sights. And we were with my Uncle Tony and one of his friends. And somehow it got really crowded And my Uncle Tony got out in front of us, and he was going to jump on a train. He got on the train, and the doors shut behind him, and we were outside of the train. And so all of a sudden, my dad starts panicking because he doesn't know Italian, and he doesn't know his way around Rome. And uh, so he's trying to communicate to Tony, 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 we're out here. Finally, my Uncle Tony sees, and he yells these last words through the glass of this door on the train. He says, Joe, meet me at the Roro exit what? And so he yells it again, and he says, Joe, meet me at the Vatican exit. And so we're like, all right, and this is before cell phones or maps or any of that, and everything's written in Italian. And so we're trying to find the Vatican exit, and it's not exactly spelled the same way it would be in English, and we're, we're kind of freaking out, and by the grace of God, we made it to our destination and reconnected with my Uncle Tony. And listen, we got to know what train we're getting on and where it takes us we got to make sure that we stay on the path. So here's the final one. The final way that we can handle a minefield is to stay clean 
and dig in the dirt. Stay clean, dig in the dirt. Now, those seem kind of like opposing viewpoints, and I have a picture for you. This is a picture of a real-life mine that they're dismantling. Now, I scoured the internet, and I could only find two pictures, and the thought occurred to me, there probably aren't too many photographers that are trying to get that close to a mine that's being dismantled. So I was like, that makes sense. But this, bri- this brave person did, or they staged it, one or the other. But here's what they have to do. This is fascinating. Once you find a minefield and a mine, then you have to call in the experts because they know how to dismantle it. You don't want to try at all. And then here's what they do. They have to dig in the dirt, and they have to find where this mine begins and where it ends. They dig all around the perimeter, and then they can slowly and carefully lift it out and dismantle it, and it's not a harm to anyone anymore. And I was just seeing these amazing pictures of what God's trying to do in our life because, listen, I don't know about you, but there are some sins embedded in the soil of my heart from a long time ago that sometimes I don't even see them for what they are. And that's why David would pray prayers like, God, search my heart. Show me if there's anything wrong within me. Show me if there's anything I need to change because those are our blind spots and we're not aware of some of the tripwires that are deep inside of our soul and our mind. But then here's what he did. He had to find the beginning and the end. We need to make sure we know where our sin began. Because if you don't know where it began, there's no way to put an end to it. And so it's this process that's painful and it's dirty and it's not fun. But the, the more you can do that, the more you can dig it around it and dig it out and then dismantle it, the more you're going to live in freedom. And there's this scripture that I would say is the poster child for living in freedom in your mind. It's 2 Corinthians 10.5. This is a scripture, if I were you, I'd just commit this to memory this week. Every time a rogue thought hits you, this is the scripture you need to quote. It's 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, take captive every thought. Remember all 70,000 of those thoughts? You know, not all of those are toxic thoughts, but many of them are. Many of them are not going to take you where you want them to go and where you want to go. And so it says, take captive every thought. And then I love this part, it says, to make it obedient to Christ. So what does that look like fleshed out in our everyday life? You know, we live in a a day and age where if you watch the news for just a few minutes, it's very easy to let fear sweep over you. Some of us deal with anxiety, deal with depression, we feel hopeless. And here's the narrative that goes over and over in our mind, oh man, you have that ache and that pain, you need to go to the doctor. And then you go to the doctor and they give you this possible bad report and then you open up WebMD and it says that it might be cancer or an incurable disease and our mind jumps to the worst case scenario and we start hearing this over and over in our mind I'm going to die I'm not going to live much longer I need to get my effects in order can you it's it sounds silly when you say it out loud but can we all agree these are the thoughts that the enemy floods us with so how do you take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ well first of all you put an end to it and you say no 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 I'm not thinking those thoughts. That's not what Jesus would have me think. I have the mind of Christ. I think his thoughts. And he says, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, present your request to God. And he'll give you a peace that passes all of your understanding. And all of a sudden, you make that thought come obedient to what Jesus says about you. Some of us have this narrative in our mind that the best days are behind us. I'm not going to do anything significant for God. I can't do this thing that's in front of me. I'm kind of out of juice and out of gas. 
This, this attacks us in our golden years, in the later life. Maybe you're an empty nester and you're redefining your identity. You're not quite sure who you are. Take that thought captive and say, no, 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 my best days are ahead of me. If I'm not dead, I'm not done. I'm going to do everything that God's called me to do. We just have to start seeing those thoughts for what they are and saying, no, I'm going to take that captive and I'm going to say what God says about me. And all of a sudden, our minds, they begin to have this clarity and we're able to stay clean as we dig in that dirt. So here's how we're going to end. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're just going to have a moment with us and God. And I just want you right where you are to begin to think about your thinking. Because I think there are probably some thoughts that flooded your mind even as I was speaking. Maybe some habitual sins and some things that you're just thinking, nah, I, I know that what he's saying is right, but I don't know if I'll ever overcome that. It all starts with believing it and giving it to God. So right now, in whatever way you know how, I just want you to have a conversation with God and say, God, I give that to you. Maybe even just start making some thoughts obedient to Christ right now. Just whatever scripture you know, it doesn't take much, just one can do you. But if you're like, man, I can't do it, there's a test I know I can't pass. There's a situation waiting for me back at home when I leave today. Why don't you just say, well, no, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Why don't you just say, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Just whatever it is, just start making it obedient to Christ. God, we thank you so much for every single person that's here. We thank you, Lord, that you care about their pain. You care about the thoughts that are going on in their life. And Lord, we thank you that you're helping them to change their mind so that they can change their circumstance. And every head's bowed and eyes still closed. You know, I love Jesus because he did the ultimate before and after in history. If you look at history from the beginning to end, it's divided by before Christ and after Christ. And I love this because this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us. Before Christ, I was lost. And after Christ, I'm found. And before Christ, I was living in darkness. And after Christ, I'm living in the light. Before Christ, I was afraid and I had anxiety. And after Christ, I had peace. And I had the boldness to go after any situation in my life. You want to know the ultimate after party? It's this place called heaven. And God created it for every single person that's here. And Jesus was very clear about how to get there. So if you're new to God or you're new to church and maybe you're familiar with the concept or idea of Jesus and you've always thought, well, yeah, he was a good guy or he taught good things, that's all true. But Jesus took it a step further and he said this about himself. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to my Father in heaven except through me. And in a world that tells you that there's all kinds of different ways to get to God, Jesus made it very clear that he's the only way. And then he gives us this simple instruction. He says, you just have to believe in your heart. Say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you'll be saved from an eternity separated from him in a place called hell. And you'll inherit an eternity with him in a place called heaven. This isn't about if you were baptized as a child or not. This isn't about if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. All those things are good. But none of those inherently lead us to Jesus. Only putting our faith and our trust in him leads us to him. And here's the coolest part. 
God doesn't want to just give you a great eternity. God wants to give you a great life. He wants you to live life wide open. And it all starts with a simple decision. So I just want to lead you in this simple prayer. And there are hundreds of people here that have already made that decision and said, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to give you my life. And so they're going to help us pray this right now. And if you believe this with your heart, a miracle is going to take place. Can you say this after me? Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did for me on the cross. Thank you that he purchased my salvation, my eternity, to spend it with him, and that he cares about helping me in everyday life. And now I give you my life, the old me, and I ask you to make me new. Help me to see you. Make yourself real to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.